This is because I want to. Hello, and welcome back to Because I Want To, where we talk about whatever it is we want to. I'm Sarah. I'm Lindsay. And welcome back. It's the end of February. It is. And we are doing an episode for African American History Month. We are indeed going to celebrate us a little Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always crazy how short February is. Like I was trying to figure out when I get paid next and I was like doing the math in between <laughs> my next paycheck and the paycheck after that. And I was like, ooh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just get paid every uh, like twice a month. So it's just like in the middle and the end. So like if there is, you know, a really long period of time in between, you know, like yeah. the 26th is when I'll get paid next and then not again till the 15th. So I'm like. <laughs> Sometimes it's a bit of a mystery. Like when I worked at the library, we would get an extra paycheck like a couple times a year. And I was like, what is this? Like, why do I have so much money? <laughs> oh, yeah. If you do it every like two weeks, that's what happens. Uh-huh. Like ours is just the 15th and the 30th if or like 31st, unless like it's a weekend and then you either get it like right before that or right after it. Or there would be a paycheck where our benefits weren't taken out, which mm-hmm. was confusing. Yeah. Uh, in the summer, they don't take anything out of my paycheck for pension. Yeah. Because it's know. like, because you know how teachers like paychecks are like technically it uh-huh. only goes to the 10 months. And then I just signed a paper that says I'd like you to chop it up into 12 months so i guess like the normal amount of pension is taken out in those 10 months so yeah it's confusing and i feel well for me like no one ever explained that kind of stuff to me and any job i ever got hired at so it was always kind of like what is this yeah i only know it because when i worked in baltimore county um they like you had had to like join like the credit union or some bullshit to get your paycheck like 12 months instead of 10 and so when I came to, like, where I work now, um, it was explained to me, like, how it works. Well, what is new with you? What's going on? Yo, fucking nothing besides being, like, depressed as shit. Why? <laughs> so anxious. Just more of the same. Oh, my God. I was, like, talking to my... This is the first time, I think, since I started with this new therapist, that I just, like, straight up cried. Yeah. Like the first time we talked, I think I cried. And then, which is such a change because the therapist I was seeing before this, mind you, I was seeing that therapist in person. So it's like a different vibe. Um, but literally every time I cried because she was one of those therapists was like, let's talk about your childhood. <laughs> every minute of every interaction, let's talk about why you are the way you are. Um, whereas this therapist kind of like, she doesn't really bring it up. She waits for me to bring it up. Uh-huh. And so I like wrote down what I wanted to talk about and brought it up. And then I cried and then I was exhausted. And now I'm trying to do the thing she told me to do, which, all right. <laughs> it's amazing how exhausted you get just from like emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's stuff I never fucking talk about. Uh-huh. So I was like talking to my mom and she was like, you know, I don't know that you have ever processed that. <laughs> Maybe you should bring that up. And I was like, okay. And my therapist was like, how did you process that? And I was like, I shouldn't. 
That's good, though. I think it means that you're working through stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. I didn't have work like at all this week because it's just been snowing everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I went to work one day, one day this week. Yeah. And then I've just, today was the first day I've left my house in three days. That was... I made myself go to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, we had like really bad weather out here. So I worked from home for two weeks and I, same, I didn't leave my house for two weeks. Yeah, it sucks. Although it's like, for me, it's crazy how fast it goes by. I'm like, oh, wow, it's been two weeks. Mm-hmm. What a time vacuum that was. That's what we're like. I honestly, since last March last year, like my sense of time is so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like I just and like it has no meaning anymore, especially because I have like nothing to look forward to. So I'm just like <laughs> existing. It sucks. It was a rough week. Yeah, like ever since I started working at this job, the time moves very differently than from any other job I've had. Like when you teach, you have like the summer that marks the end of the year Mm -hmm. and you have like your holidays so that Mm -hmm. it delineates the time going by. But I feel like everything's a blur. It's really weird to me, like. Because, you know, the only job, job, not that everything isn't a job. God, that's <laughs> fucking offensive. I don't know. Per, profession. Profession? I don't know. This is the only profession I've had. And so, like, the concept of, like, working through the summer and just, like, li- like li- you just work all the time. Yeah. Like, there's there's no stop and end, breathe. Yeah. And then... I mean, literally, you have to do that for teachers or they would lose their fucking mind. For real. Like, I would smack a kid, 100%. If I didn't know that I would have a point where I could stop seeing children for a while. Right. You need that reset. And it's just weird. I've had this realization where I'm like, oh, this is what it is just every day. And you get a week or two off for vacation. But the grind. The grind. Yeah capitalism <laughs> we need to go back to scapitalism <laughs> i know my th- i was like bitching about america and my therapist was like sounds like you're having like a depressed week about america yeah. <laughs> i was like i mean yes i've had that conversation before where i'm like i'm just really anxious about the state of the world and i really think that's a thing that a lot of us are experiencing yes, <laughs> yes. Like, more so than I ever have been, the vibe is just... And maybe I'm just more aware of it now, but, like, the vibe is not good. It's not good. It makes me... I'm telling you, I'm just going to go live on Prince Edward Island and be a farmer. It does. I don't know anything about farming. Sometimes I do fantasize about living off the grid, but I know if I actually try to do it, I wouldn't... I'd get tired of it. Yes. Like, I like Target... (laughs) <laughs> I like the internet. Uh-huh. Um, if I had those things and I could see my friends, I'd be good. But, like, I need the internet. Yeah. If there was a commune with the internet, I could be okay, Ooh, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, just, I don't know that I could give up, like, fan fiction. Well, you can give fan fiction on the internet. I know. But what if I had to give up, like, if they were like, you have to give up the internet. I think that's oh, yeah. that and Wikipedia would be the things that I'd be like, but... 
But then I need that. if you're working on a or if you're living on a commune, you're probably like <laughs> working the land and maybe you just don't feel the need to go on the internet. I guess. I guess I could read books. Yeah. I mean, I like to read books. <laughs> I like I, books. <laughs> I do like them. Speaking of dreams, I had the most vivid pregnancy dream last night. <laughs> like vivid. Like I remember like holding my stomach and feeling it like rolling around in there was it like an anxious dream or like a okay dream it was like pregnancy was kind of like the side factor of it like Uh other shit was happening and then i kept going oh right i'm pregnant and then like i found out it was a boy and i named him and then i woke up um do you remember when i remember when you said you dreamed that you gave birth to a strawberry (laughs) yes that's one of the most vivid dreams i've ever had just cradling a giant strawberry was it like happy or horrifying i think it was somewhere in the middle i think it was one of those dreams where i was like stuck in like a house or something what if you just you're cradling your strawberry and then you just leaned over and you just took a little bite (laughs) (laughs) that would really say something (laughs) Mm, delicious (laughs) oh man nope this was a human child as far as i could tell i didn't actually birth it in the dream so dreams are weird they are weird i thought it was interesting that i named it in the dream what i would name a boy if i had a boy like, it was actually what I would name them. Do you want to like, huh. say, or should I ask you after this? What my boy name is? Yeah. If I ever have a boy child? Uh-huh. Ezra. I love that name. I like very old Hebrew names, as it turns out. I think, like, old kind of classical names are coming back. Mm-hmm. Because they're yes. unusual, but they're not totally out there. Yeah, no, they're just kind of like, you know, the names of our past. Mm-hmm. I was looking at my genealogy yesterday because our friend Caitlin has been looking at hers. And I was like, I'm going to look at mine. I'm going to look at the family tree I know fucking nothing about. Like, I had to call my mom and be like, what are my great-grandparents' names on this side? Because I don't even fucking know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one of them, Johan, Johan Schneider. Johan's a good, strong name. Yeah, Johan is from Germany. Johan's, I was about to say, Johan Schneider is a very German name. Yes, Johan Schneider, and then they were all Johns after that. Yeah, I like Johan. Yeah, it's fun. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find any, because it was like a family tree my mom made, so it didn't have any information about any of the people not born here, basically. So I'd have, there's a spider on my wall. (laughs) It's looking at me. He's just living his life. I don't kill them, but he's looking at me. Is it big? If it's a spricket, I'm going to kill it. (laughs) Oh, it might be a spricket. I hate sprickets. It's like death on legs. All right. I'm just going to, he's not moving. It's fine. Just keep an eye on it. Yeah, so I was looking at some genealogy stuff. It was fun. How was your week? I've been rambling. My week was fine. I went into work yesterday for the first time in a while. It was fine. Um, tomorrow, I have a meet and greet with a dog. So we'll see how that goes. <gasps> I'm so excited for you. <laughs> I'm excited, but I also don't want to get like too 
invested because you mm-hmm. never know. Like, I'm going to take Bean and see how it goes, but. You know what I've always thought is interesting? I say this like I've done this a ton, but like when I went to get my dogs, right? I went with the same attitude of like, yeah. I'm not sure if this is like, I'm just going to check the scene out. And both times the people there were shocked when I was like, okay, can I come back tomorrow? Really? Yeah. They were like, wait, what? Like when I got London, the guy was like, what? I was like, can you just like put a collar on her to say I've like, I'm going to get her and I'll uh-huh. be back tomorrow. <laughs> like I have to go buy some shit. <laughs> yeah. See, like I've been texting with this woman at this rescue and she told me like what their adoption fee is and their like payment methods. So I feel like if I wanted to, I could leave tomorrow with the dog. But Oh, 100%. I think that's what they like expect. It'll just depend on it's like. A bigger dog, and I think with Bean, if I'm going to get a bigger dog, I need, like, a gentle giant kind of thing. Oh, yes, definitely, because Bean is spicy. He's spicy, and he's just little, and, you know. He's, like, the definition of spicy. Yeah, and I'm just, you know, want to make sure, that's the most important thing, is making sure that they get along. What kind of dog is it? Tell me about this dog. So this dog is, did I not tell you last time? I forget, like, what we talk about. Solid Blair. You told me about a dog, but I don't know if it was this dog. Okay, so this dog we're seeing tomorrow, her name is Mary Jane, and she's a (laughs) pit mix. And I think she's like a year or two old, and she has like a fucked up eye because she came from like a house of abuse where someone hit her with a cord, I think. Oh my god! And I can't... The main reason I applied for this one in particular is because, well, that story and then like her profile said she was like very gentle and sweet. So pits can be some of the best fucking dogs. I know. Ugh, London's best friend when she was a puppy was a pit bull. They get a really bad rep. But like the one thing that makes me nervous about it. Okay, can you believe this in Canada? The province of Ontario, which mm-hmm. I may... Oh, you can't have pit bulls, right? Yeah. I th- yeah. I'm unclear if that's a real thing, if it's strictly enforced, if it's like kind it's of... It's like that, like a few places, which is like the height of fucking bullshittery. How can you ban a breed from a province? Yeah, it's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. Was it? Didn't they ban them in England? I don't know. Because I think, am I making this story up? It'd be a weird story if I was making it up. (laughs) Why Um, would you make this up? (laughs) But the guy who plays Captain Picard on Star Trek, whose name is escaping me at the moment, um, he had pit bulls, and I think he had to give them up because England outlawed them. That is a weird fucking story if I'm making that up. Okay. What is his name? I kind of looked into it because it's unclear if I'll end up moving to Canada eventually. And from what I saw online, they were kind it was unclear, like exactly what's allowed and how strictly it's enforced. Yeah, it's why when you like um, adopt dogs, a lot of times they won't say pit bull. Like even if it's clear that like they're part pit bull, they just won't list it as part of the breed. She's like a mix. So I feel like if it came down to it, we'd be like, oh, she's something else. (laughs) I'm going to say, just lie. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a big fan of 
lying with that sort of thing. <laughs> I think it's important sometimes. I'm glad we're Sorry, documenting like, this on our podcast. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, Canada's really <laughs> listening. <laughs> we did have a couple people in the Philippines listen. I love that for us. I know. I was but like, no Ooh. one in Canada, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> We'll just no. have to make sure we don't appeal to any of those people in the next couple of years. <laughs> Let's just insult them. <laughs> All like 12 people who listen to yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still looking up this thing because I swear I fucking did I make this up? I don't know. Oh, yeah. That. He OK. I, I somewhat made up the story. OK, so he <laughs> would foster them. He fosters them. Oh, I knew he fostered them because when I watched Picard, the show, he had pitbulls in it and he did it on purpose to like show what a good breed it is. Anyway, and he wanted, he had one named Ginger and he wanted to adopt her, but he couldn't because he lived in the UK and apparently, okay, so Mark won for the United States. I don't think we win in most things, but we win in that. I mean, you know, if he couldn't bring one in, like no one could. Oh my god, that makes me so mad. What do they do? Like DNA tests or something? Yeah, like what the fuck? What the fuck? This is upsetting. So like, I don't know that I would move to the province of Ontario, but that's one thing where I'm like, ooh. But this rescue has other dogs too. So it's like, even if I don't, we don't click with this dog, there's like other ones. So I hope she's a babe. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll update you next week. Excellent. I look forward. Well, you're going to have to update me before that. Yeah, I'll update you. We'll (laughs) update all of you (laughs) later. I can't can't (laughs) wait a week. (laughs) I'm going to need to know like 15 minutes after you leave (laughs) what the situation is. Well, it's like when we talk now, sometimes I'm like, should I tell her this now or should I wait for the podcast? (laughs) I'm happy to talk about it twice. That's like when I was doing um, research for this episode. Brock came out and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, you'll have to listen to the episode. And he's like, oh, so do we not talk anymore? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You need to find out secondhand, husband, what's happening. And he had all these like great comments about our last episode. And I was like, oh, you should make an Instagram account and comment on our post. And I'll <laughs> reply to you there. <laughs> Which now I realize is weird. (laughs) Or genius. (laughs) What were his comments? He was talking a lot about like string theory and the different dimensions and how there's been research about like the brain and how it works in all these different dimensions. And if you try to take them away, then the math doesn't work anymore. And like all this smart stuff. Mm-hmm. Could he tell that I didn't really understand what string theory was? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, string theory. I don't Something think about so. Strings. But I told him I was like, "You can explain this as much as you want, and I'll only kind of understand." <laughs> <laughs> That's like when I asked the science teacher something about weather, and she tried to explain it to me, and I was like, "Hmm." Yes. Mm. And she was like, did you understand what I said? No. No, I did not. There's, I, that was, I don't get it. <laughs> there's certain things, yeah, like weather and like ocean currents where like you tell me it and I'm like, okay, but I don't really understand it. But I believe yeah, it's, you. <laughs> it's the kind of thing where like you can parrot it back 
Mm-hmm. And, like, if you ask me, like, oh, yeah, I could give you some bullshit answer. But do I actually understand? No. No. <laughs> no, I don't. It's, like, beyond me. It's too abstract. I'm sure if I would like, really tried, I could. But I have no interest in that. Yeah. Wow. So. Well, anyway. Black History Month. Yeah, yeah. So I only did one person because I have four pages of notes on this one person, and I decided that was enough. (laughs) I mean, your person, there's so much to talk about. Ugh, yes. I have historical crush. (laughs) I have two people, um, but if we don't have time, we could always do more next week. Why not? We can. We can. Do you want to go first? Okay, I'll go first because... Also, like, my second person has some connections to your person, so. Perfect. Okay. Love it. All right. So, my first person is Sister Rosetta Tharp. Excellent. I've never heard of this person. Hit I, me with it. I really wanted to find someone who I'd, like, never heard of before. And if you're, like, a music buff, like, you probably know about her. But I never did. And now I realize, like, how important she was. I'm like, oh, shit. But she is considered, like, the original soul sister and the godmother of rock and roll. Wait. I think she was on a list I was looking at today. Probably. Was it from Oprah Magazine? Because that was the list I was looking at. I looked at a bunch. It could have been. I also looked. She might have been on a one from Mary Claire. Excellent. Continue. Okay, so she was, okay, she was born in 1915 in Cotton Plant, Arkansas, um, as Rosetta Newbin, and her parents were Katie Bell Newbin and Willis Atkins, and they both were cotton pickers, and they both sang. And she started playing guitar when she was four years old. Damn, yo. Which... That's just like a little tiny hand even Can do that. you imagine? Like, no. four years old. Like, when you're four, you can barely even, like, talk. When I took guitar lessons in high school, like, my hand still couldn't reach. Yeah. Like the, I mean, I have small hands, but, like, it still couldn't reach the distance. So... Yeah. Four. So, she was a... She's considered a musical prodigy. She played guitar and she sang... And I guess she would, like, sing with her mother in the church. And she became, Mm -hmm. she started touring with her mother when she was really young. And they would do, like, gospel music. Okay. So they're really popular. Through the 1920s, um, in 1934, she was 19. She married this dude named Thomas Thorpe, who was, like, a church guy. So How old was she? 19. How old was he? I don't know. I have to ask these questions back in the day. I'll have to, yeah, that's a good question. I assume he was older than her because he was like mm. established in a church. But that's where she got her stage name from is she took his last name and she's sister Rosetta Thorpe. So their marriage didn't last, but she like kept that name. Okay. So when... um. In 1938, when she was 23, she released a single called Rock Me, 
And this influenced singers like Elvis, Little Richard, and Jerry Lee Lewis. I'm trying to find when she moved. At some point, she moved to New York City. And she, in, I'm going to skip forward. In 1945, she released this song called Strange Things Happening Every Day. And it was the first gospel record to cross over like into the mainstream okay i like a good crossover it's very taylor swift which (laughs) i guess it like crossed over onto what they called the race records chart which later became the r&b chart oh yeah oh oh (laughs) no (laughs) that's not like right Very problematic. But think about that. 1945. That's so early. Like Elvis came about in like the 50s. Yeah. When was Chuck Berry a thing? I feel like this is like the same time frame as Chuck Berry. Well, I saw all my information is from Wikipedia, but she influenced Little Richard, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, Chuck Berry, Elvis Presley, and Jerry Lee Lewis. So she was, like, before all of them. The progenitor, if you will. Yeah. Johnny Cash said later on that she was his favorite singer, and he, like, listened to her when he was a little kid. And um, Elvis Presley, I think, said the same thing. And if you listen to the song, which I listened to earlier, Strange Things Happening Every Day, it does. It sounds like a rock and roll song, but it's, like church lyrics to like Mm -hmm. rock and roll music which i guess was like controversial at the time it's the birth of christian rock (laughs) this is where it started because she i guess they said performed quote light music in quote dark places like clubs and whatnot which was like problematic i guess Mm -hmm. so what a queen and i watched her playing the guitar and it struck me like how unusual it is to see a black woman like from that time period like wailing on a guitar like it was bizarre yeah Yeah, it's like like even today it's like super underrepresented Mm -hmm. yeah and people said that she played guitar quote like a man all right what the fuck does that mean (laughs) and she would i guess like battle people at the Apollo, which is, like, pretty fucking cool. That is cool. (laughs) Right? I would love to watch a guitar battle. But she was a pioneer in guitar technique. She would use heavy distortion. And in 1964, she went on a tour through the UK, and she had to stop in Manchester. And... Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, and Keith Richards, like, saw her, and they all later, like, cited her performance as, like, an influence on them as guitar players. That's cool. I really don't think of, like, Eric Clapton in that time period, but I guess he definitely was. I guess he was part of the Yardbirds, which was early. But, yeah, Eric Clapton is, like, a big guitar player, so. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, if you... I guess, like, with her style, she had that, like, rhythmic, like, quality to it, which you didn't really have in music at the time. That's cool. I like that. I like that a lady started rock and roll. I do, too. And can you imagine just, like, how 
I just try to imagine how much confidence you have to have to be a black woman in that time period and go into these clubs and like wail on a guitar. Like, mm-hmm. how do you even do that? I think some people from the past just had like, in the best way, the fucking audacity. Like they yeah. just <laughs> brimmed with it. They were full with it. It's like the ultimate, like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. I don't have it. I don't have that kind of audacity. I'm lacking it. Yeah. When I was reading about her, I was like, if she can do that, like, why can't I do like anything I ever want to do? You know, it's like fucking inspiring. (laughs) It really is. We're too steeped in anxiety to do stuff like that. I know. But think about 1945. At that time, it was like illegal Mm -hmm. in most places for white and black people to get married. Yeah, you're gonna get yourself like killed. There's segregation where you are. that was yeah. like 20 years before Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. It's like crazy, um, but yeah, she had like a nice long career, and oh yeah, she was oh she was Little Richard's favorite singer, and I guess before she had a concert, she heard him singing um, in an auditorium. Because I think he would sing in church. And then she invited him to, like, sing at her concert. And that was the first time he'd ever sang, like, outside of church. Oh, that's cool. So she she really is, like, the progenitor. Yeah. And she was an influence of, like, a million people. Like, Tina Turner. <laughs> Meatloaf. <laughs> Karen Carpenter. <laughs> Karen, I love Karen Carpenter. Just all kinds of, like, different, diverse people and like lots of people have covered her songs from like van morrison to led zeppelin and like just lots of different people um but yeah she i like that she went by sister rosetta tharp like i like that well and it also like makes a lot of sense to me that the roots of like rock and roll and r&b go back to gospel that makes sense yeah yeah, because it taught, well, this Wikipedia article talked about how she started off in her church and, like, you know, they would have, like, lively music and people would dance. There was, like, rhythm and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So just, she just yeah. kind of took that and added her, like, guitar skill to it. I feel like rock is the intersection of gospel and blues. Like yeah. Rhythm and blues. Like, it's just the intersection. Uh huh. But yeah, well, she like was. That inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 2017 which was not that long ago that's a all right um but yeah she's in the rock and roll hall of fame um she died in 1973 of a stroke she had had a couple strokes and she also had like complications from diabetes and stuff um yeah did she play the electric guitar or like a regular guitar Hmm. I'm trying to think of like the video I watched her earlier. I want to say electric because she would like record stuff, you know, but I'm not positive. I'm guessing probably electric guitar, which is cool. Something about a woman wailing on electric guitar is just mm, yeah. chef's kiss. Like I said, I like watched this video of her earlier and she's like, you would imagine how a woman from the 40s would look like wearing a dress and like the hair and everything. But she's like wailing on a guitar. It's like wild. <laughs> I'm going to look her up some videos of her when we're done. Yeah. 
But so that's, I can experience it. That's Sister Rosetta Tharp, godmother of rock and roll and the original Soul Sister. She was the first gospel superstar and one of the first to appeal to rhythm and blues and rock and roll. Cool. I'm going to call her just the mother of rock and roll. Yeah. And I love that she was Johnny Cash's favorite singer. I like that, too. I have a lot of feelings about Johnny Cash, but I like that. He covered a bunch of her songs. I guess he released like a gospel album. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, I want to say in the 70s, maybe. And yeah, he has some of her songs on there. Hmm. I'm going to look that up as well. Hmm. All right. Well, would you like to learn about Frederick Douglass? I would. That's a lot. <laughs> Let's get started. All right. My main man, Frederick Douglass, my historical crush. Like, I, if you can be in love with a historical figure, I'm in love with Frederick Douglass. <laughs> That's just how it is. Um, so he was born in Talbot County on the eastern shore of Maryland, uh, and his birth name was Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey, which is very long. Um, his last, his mom's last name was Bailey. Uh, and he didn't actually know the day he was born or like the year he was born. He just kind of guessed. Uh, but historians think it was probably February 1818 by looking through the records on the plantation that he was born. Uh, but he celebrated his birthday on Valentine's day. Um, he was mixed race and his owner was probably his biological father. Um, oh, I got all this information from Wikipedia and a biographics video, which it also seemed like that video got a lot of their information from Wikipedia. Just saying. <laughs> I noticed some similarities. Um, but anyway, so he was mixed race and he was separated from his mother basically at like birth. Like he only actually met her a couple of times. And in his autobiography, he said that was like the tradition on the Eastern Shore was to mm-hmm. just like separate kids from their parents like pretty much right away. Um, so he was raised by his grandmother, um, and his grandfather, his mother died when he was seven. He'd only, like I said, met her a couple times and he was separated from his grandparents when he was six. Sad. It is sad. Um, so he was sent to the Y house plantation when he was six, which is still there. It's still owned by the family who owned it then, which is intense. Really? Uh, And then, Yeah. And then he ended up with the Alds, the Ald family, and basically just got, like, bounced around by that family um, until he escaped. Um, So the Alds send him to a different Ald family in Baltimore. He sends him to Hugh Ald. um, And he really liked it in Baltimore. Like, historically, it was better for enslaved people to be in cities. It's just a better situation. Um, So he liked it there. Um, and the wife of Hugh started to teach him the alphabet and how to read. She, like, really liked him. Uh, he, in, in his autobiography, he talked about how she treated him really well. And, like, I think he said basically, like, she treated me like a human. Um, but her husband was like, no, 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 no. And basically talked her out of teaching him, saying that, like, slavery and education were incompatible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so That's how she you stopped. keep people down is you keep them illiterate and uneducated. Yeah, I think if, like, Frederick Douglass took anything out of his life, it was that. That, like, education is the key to everything. Um, So, basically, she stopped teaching him. uh, And he just kept learning on the sly from that point forward. Like, he would, like, steal newspapers and shit. um, And basically taught himself everything else that he knew. And it really, like, influenced his feelings about freedom and slavery. Because I tell this to my kids all the time. Like, 
knowledge and intelligence aren't necessarily the same thing and you can be really smart and still be like super fucking ignorant or like not Mm -hmm. know things and i think he just didn't have like exposure to those other ideas until that point to really like influence his thought process so this was when he was really like started thinking about all of it and like what it means and all of that um he eventually gets hired out to a dude named william freeland Um, And when he was on that plantation, he taught other slaves on the plantation how to read for, like, six months before they got found out and were basically, like, attacked for it. Um, And then he was sent to the biggest piece of shit, Edward Covey, who Mm. I'm going to describe as a raging raging asshole. I mean, all of these people are assholes, but this guy was, like, a real fucking asshole. Um, So he would beat Frederick Douglass, like, all the time. Um, and basically what happened was Frederick Douglass, like, kirked out at one point and attacked him back. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward, he never touched him again. Okay, can I say, his, Frederick Douglass's autobiography is a really good read. I taught it for, like, one year, so I read it. It's really good. And that part where he talks about snapping on that dude and, like, mm-hmm. beating the shit out of him... And then mm-hmm. he never bothered him again. It's like crazy because like Frederick Douglass was like young and really strong. And that guy was such an mm-hmm. asshole. Oh, my God. Yeah. He said, you have seen how a man was made a slave. You shall see how a slave was made a man. Ooh. When he did it. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah. So Edward Covey, big piece of shit. Um, but he left him alone from that point forward. Which so can you first... imagine, sorry, like beating up your yeah. like owner, basically? Yeah, like it really makes you wonder like at what like point he was at, you know, like yeah. mentally. Yeah, he was um, done. Yeah, like I feel like at that point you're like, I'd rather die than like do this anymore. Especially if you know that you're smarter than that asshole, you know. Right? <laughs> God. Ugh. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so he, he tries to escape for the first time in 1836, and he fails. Uh, he, like, ends up in jail for, like, a short period of time. Um, and in 1837, he meets Anna Murray, who was a freed woman in Baltimore. Um, they eventually get married. Uh, and she basically, like, inspired him to, like, run away again. Um, so in 1838, he, like, borrows or acquires papers from a freed sailor, And basically just pretends to be him. Like he wears a sailor's uniform and everything. Mm -hmm. um, And he escapes on a train to Philadelphia. And basically like he didn't look like this guy. And he knew that if they actually read the description that Mm -hmm. they would know it was not him. And he basically just like talked his way out of it. Again, like he was. Can you imagine being that brave and ballsy? I know. (laughs) Um, So like his whole escape like took 24 hours. But he basically described it as like the longest you know period in his life because if you're caught Um, you're probably dead like well yeah because like he gets you know through he has to go through like delaware even though he could have just gone straight to philly but i guess like how the train was he had to go through delaware first and delaware has slavery Mm -hmm. um but anyway he ends up in new york and he sends for anna and they get married And then they move to New Bedford, Massachusetts, and they live under the name Johnson for a little bit, and then they eventually change it to Douglas. Um, He didn't come up with it. Somebody else suggested it to him, and he really liked it. I forget what characters. He'd read a book, and there were characters named Douglas in it, and he really liked it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But basically, the thing to remember throughout all of this is he's not freed, so to speak. Like, he's this whole time, he's a fugitive, technically. Mm-hmm. So that kind of tinges his whole life for, like, a while. Yeah. Is the fact that, What like, year is this? Like, do you, like, when did he This escape? is 1838. Wow. So this is, like, early. It's going to be a yeah. while before the Civil War. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, like, this is definitely, like, fugitive slave laws are different yeah. depending on where they are. Um, but he is technically a fugitive at this point. Um, so, so they go to Massachusetts because okay. it's more chill than New York in regards to that. Huh. Like, New Bedford had, like, a pretty distinct abolitionist community. Okay. So they move to Massachusetts. He wants to join this one church, but then he finds out it's not desegregated, so he refuses to join it. That's another thing that, like, really tinges his life. Is he has very distinct fucking feelings about segregation, mm-hmm. which plays into, like, a lot of what he does. Um, But he becomes a preacher in 1839 in the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, which is a mouthful. Um, And he does a bunch of stuff there. And he's there for a while. Episcopal. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, He meets William Lloyd Garrison. I feel like outside of Frederick Douglass, William Lloyd Garrison is maybe the most famous abolitionist. Uh, He had the newspaper The Liberator, which was, Mm -hmm. like, pretty widely used in abolitionist circles um so basically like they read each other's stuff and like find each other like super impressive um and eventually <laughs> yeah they eventually meet <laughs> um garrison really liked douglas because he was super anti um colonialism do you know the, like the colonialism movement in the 1800s it was a whole mm-hmm. idea of yes we should free slaves but we should send them back to africa oh yeah yeah, it's where Liberia comes from. Such yeah. a delight. Um, so Douglas was like super anti that, and so so was Garrison. So they kind of formed a relationship off that. I love um, that. Garris- I know, right? It's Common nice. interests, best friends. It doesn't last, but for now, they're best friends. Uh oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Douglas starts doing more public speaking. He starts speaking at Garrison's like anti-slavery society conventions. Um, and things like that. Um, it's during this time period that he publishes his first autobiography, The Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, an American so Slave. So good. So in good. 1845. It is very good. Um, and it's like a huge hit. It's definitely like the biggest hit that he ever had as far as his writings go. Um, and it wasn't just a hit here. It was also a hit in Europe. Um, so after he published it and it got super popular... It was like he was really afraid that his owner was like going to come for him, basically. Like he's going to be like, I know where he is. I know what he's doing. I'm going to go for him. Do you think uh, he so could he, like he would have any ground to stand on when it came to that? No. Okay. Because he's in Massachusetts. No. Yeah. They could just come get him. Especially by 1850, full tilt, you could just go. Wait, you mean like he could have come got him? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In Massachusetts? Mm-hmm. Really? Uh-huh. And he still yeah. published that book. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, these people, the audacity in the best I'm fucking way. Getting anxious even though I know how it turns out, but I just can't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like 
really, I literally wrote down, he was still technically a fugitive and the fugitive slave law was a piece of fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, so Douglas goes to England for a while, England and Ireland, and does like a tour. Wait, just should be, like, you safe. say what the fugitive slave law is in case people don't know? Because I feel like that's important. So there are a few of them, like the really big national one that like really pissed people off doesn't get passed until 1850. Um, but there are like a bunch of them and it basically made it legal. Like even if your slave was in, you know, a free state, you could still go get them. Yeah. I feel like fugitive property. That was a big thing that like caused the civil war. Cause it basically yes. said the Northern States had to like, you yeah. had to send slaves back even if you don't agree with it. Yeah. So there were different like versions of it, but the national big tilt one that pissed people off was in 1850. Okay. It was part of, like, the compromises that occurred during that time period to try and stave off a civil war, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, so, yeah. So he goes to England and Ireland for a while to escape it, and he loved it there. He was like, <laughs> it's way less fucking racist here. Really? <laughs> oh, like, way less, according to him. Um, huh. He said he felt like an actual man there. Hmm. Um, he was there for, like, two years, and he lectured the whole time. Um, and supporters there actually raised the funds for him to buy his freedom. Oh. Um, I know. So he Aww. becomes friends with, like, a bunch of people there, in particular Daniel O'Connell, who was, like, an Irish nationalist. Uh, and he basically leaves England when he dies in 1847. Um, so he comes back to the United States, <laughs> rejoins his family, who's been here the whole time. Um, and he starts publishing his own newspaper called the North Star. Um, and it had, I love this, the theme, his like slogan was, right is of no sex, truth is of no color, God is the father of us all, and we are all brethren. Oh my God. Yeah. I think <laughs> my favorite thing about Frederick Douglass was what a fucking feminist he was. Yeah. Um, but anyway... So his newspaper was super anti-colonization. And he basically, around this time period, had like a fallout with Garrison. Multiple reasons people think why he did. But basically, up until this point, he kind of been of the same mind with Garrison about the Constitution and slavery. That the way the Constitution was written is that it did support slavery um, because of the three-fifths clause and other things that are in there. Um... And then Douglas read a book by a guy named Lysander Spooner, which, yo, <laughs> fell down his Wikipedia That's... article. What a badass motherfucker. That he was an like anarchist. A Harry Potter name, Lysander Spooner. <laughs> he looks like a Lysander Spooner, but he's this anarchist badass bitch. And he wrote this book called The Un- Unconstitutionality of Slavery. Mm-hmm. And basically said that, like, you should use the Constitution as a tool to get rid of slavery. Like, it doesn't support it. Use it mm-hmm. as a way to get rid of it. Um, which was not what Garrison thought. And Douglas basically quoted this book as, like, this is why I changed my mind. Like, I read this book and I changed my mind. Um, so they have a falling out. Um, he is also, during this time period, participating in the Underground Railroad. Um, his home is, like, used as a stop on it. Um, and in 1848, he attended the Seneca Falls Convention, and that is where, like, Elizabeth Cady Stanton talked and Lucretia Mott talked. So um, Yeah, all, all those badass bitches. Um, and basically, 
Elizabeth Cady was like, I think we should have a vote to pass a resolution to support women's suffrage. And a lot of them, including some of the ladies that I just mentioned, were not on board with it. Um, and then he talked about it, like he gave the speech about it. Um, and then they passed the resolution, like unanim- unanimously. Um, he t- I really liked, I didn't write them down, but I was reading some of the things he had to say about women at the Seneca Falls Convention. He was basically was like, it's amazing how they can fight and yet not be assholes about it. <laughs> essentially how Love I read it. that. Um, but be- he pushed for women's rights his entire life. He said that he just saw the link between feminism and abolition. Mm-hmm. And then it was fighting for basically Both, the same thing. Yeah, oppressed people. Mm-hmm. So the North Star supported it and wrote about it. Um, however, he does later have a fallout with Elizabeth Cady, which I get, where he she didn't want him to support the 15th Amendment, which gave voting rights to black men um, because it left out women. And basically, mm. Frederick Douglass said, like, I've had feelings about his reasoning. I don't know that he was wrong. Um, but he basically said, like, white women, at least in some way, shape or form, have influence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they can sway their husbands, their brothers, whatever. Whereas, like, black men will never have that without this. And he basically said, this almost has no support as it is. If we attach women to it, it won't pass at all. I think you have to, yeah, kind of gain the ground where you can gain it. Mm-hmm. And That's work basically towards what he said. It. Yeah. Yeah. These sound like so, very passionate people who, yeah, have yeah. fallings out over these things. Yes. So they have like a falling out about that. Um, I got both sides of it. I wasn't. Yeah. It was just one of those things where you're just like, oh, man. Um, so in 1852, he gives my favorite speech. Oh, it's so good. Uh, what to a slave is the 4th of July. I used and he to gives, teach this. It's so it's good. It's so mm-hmm. good. I knew it was good when I taught it and a student asked for a copy of it to take home. Yeah. <laughs> and amazing. I was like, sure. Hit um, me with it. What is it? So he gave this speech at the Rochester Anti-Slavery Sewing Society and it is so fucking good. Um, I just have like a little excerpt. It's short too. Yeah. What have I or those I represent to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? What, to the American slave, is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him, more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> um... So um, that is like, can you imagine like you are a black person watching all these people celebrate this freedom, this Independence Mm -hmm. Day, and you're like, wait, what about the rest of us? (laughs) Seriously, it's fucked up. Um, So that is like prominently quoted as like the famous or best abolition speech that's like ever been given. Mm -hmm. Um, he was a huge fucking advocate for desegregation in education. Um, he would see like, you know, black schools were significantly of less quality than white schools. Um, and he knew education was so crucial for everything that he was pushing Mm -hmm. for. So that was a big thing that he, um, wanted to see. Um, in 1859, 
he started meeting with my man, John Brown, and other radical <laughs> abolitionists. Um, if you don't know who John Brown is, John Brown is a, wild a white card. man with crazy eyes. He's got them crazy <laughs> eyes, if you ever looked at him, um, where he tried to start an armed uprising of slaves by raiding the armory at Harper's Ferry, and it failed miserably. Um, but basically, Douglas was not down with this plan. <laughs> um, and when it happened, he actually fled to Canada because he was so f- afraid that he was going to get arrested as a co-conspirator, even though he didn't have anything to do with it. Because he knew him. Mm-hmm. And they'd been, like, yeah. meeting. Honestly, that's not wrong. Like, I feel like anyone could go up to him and be like, you knew him. You had a part of this. Mm-hmm. You're in jail now, you know? Yep. Yep. So he flee- flees to Canada, and then he had a pre-planned tour in England, so he just went and did that for a while. Um, <laughs> you know. He planned ahead. <laughs> he did. Fast forward to the Civil War. Um, also, just complete side note, you should read what that Lysander guy had to write about the Civil War. It was interesting. All right. So what, what was I talking about? The Civil well, War! <laughs> which, okay, the fact that all of this happened before the Civil War is, like, crazy to me. Yeah, he was, like, older when the Civil War happened. Um, not, like, super old, but he, he was an adult. Yeah. Um, so his big thing during the Civil War was that African Americans should be allowed to fight in the army, um, which they were not originally. Abraham Lincoln was very, like, no about that. Why? Um... I forget what his fucking reasoning was. I have a lot of feelings about Abraham Lincoln. Um, But basically, Frederick Douglass really pushed for it. Um, He actually, like, spoke to Lincoln about it. Um, And he, like, never backed down about it. So two years into the war, Lincoln issues the Emancipation Proclamation, which a large motivator of the Emancipation Proclamation was black men were allowed to join the military. It's it's in there if you've ever read it. It's literally you should run away and join the military. Um, so they so, do. So yeah, you could like if you were a slave, you could run away and enlist in the Union Army. Mm-hmm. It literally says to do that in the Emancipation Proclamation. Ooh, that's like a chess move for sure. Oh, that is everything <laughs> that the Emancipation Proclamation was. It was a chess move. Um, so. That passes. Um, his sons all enlist in one way or another. They don't all actually fight, um, but they all fight, like, metaphorically for the Union in one way or another. Uh-huh. Um, and he was super disappointed that Lincoln never really officially backed black suffrage. Um, he might have later in life. He did die. Um, but um, <laughs> He did die. He was <laughs> He did. Uh, he died, like, right when this was done. Like, so. soon after that, Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but he, his big thing was, you know, they're fighting for the union. They should have the right to vote. Like, (laughs) you don't let them vote in a country they're fucking dying for. For real. Um, so when Lincoln died, he gave a speech about him at the Emancipation Memorial in Washington Lincoln Square, not Square, Washington's Lincoln Park in 1876. Um, so this is like later, like 76. This is later. Um, where he was like really brutally honest about Lincoln and like was just like look like he was not perfect like this is a lot of shit he did um he said though Mr. Lincoln shared the prejudices of his white fellow countrymen it is hardly necessary to say that in his hearts of hearts he loathed and hated slavery um and apparently 
Mary Todd, Lincoln's wife, was, like, so, like, happy about the speech that she gave him Lincoln's walking stick. Can I? Okay, I want to give a little teaser for next week. In okay. my second person, he was at that speech, I guess, and, like, was really inspired by, like, Frederick Douglass. I'm going to try and guess who your person is next week before okay. we... But yeah, I read that and I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, he was there and he heard that. Okay. Yeah. I want to look up the speech and read it because the quotes from it, I was like, yes, this is how I feel about Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) Yeah. Very. Yeah. Which Um, I mean, for the time, you know. Yeah. The kids are always shocked when they're like, I'm like, yeah, Abraham Lincoln was a racist. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. Like, it would have been weird if he wasn't. I mean, everyone kind of, well, not everyone. I mean, everyone to different degrees, I think. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, so that is in 1876. So that's like a, towards the end of Reconstruction. So the Civil War ends and we begin the fucking Reconstruction period. The most just confusing time in American history. <laughs> For real. I hate teaching it because there's no good way to teach it. Um Basically, he starts doing, like, different jobs. So he's the president of the Freedmen's Savings Bank. He is a huge advocate for Grant's presidency um, and really supports him. Um, In 1870, he starts his last newspaper called The New National Era. He had a few in between this and the North Star that I didn't mention, but this is his last newspaper. Um, This was a fact that I didn't know, and I was like, what? So he was sent by Grant. Ulysses S. Grant, uh, with a commission to see if they should annex Santa Domingo as a state for freedmen, like to go and make it like a reconstruction Israel, basically. Where's Santo Domingo? In the Caribbean. Okay. I think it's the Dominican Republic now. So basically to like make it a part of the union, but to send yeah, be like, to? you have have your own state. Like, was it, it? Doesn't he know Frederick Douglass at all and that he's always hated that? No, like, Frederick Douglass was down. Frederick Douglass really? was down. I yeah, because it was against more... that like the whole time. Because you'd still be a part of the United States, but it was like, if but you you're want an your island. Own... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I had never confusing. even heard of this before, so I need yeah. to look up more about it. But Congress okay. was not down about it with it particularly Charles Sumner and like Douglas never forgave him for it. <laughs> it was like basically like, fuck you, Sumner. Um, so he really liked Grant because Grant was really aggressive in fighting white supremacy and Douglas like really appreciated him for it. He basically said like, we will, the black community will never forget like how much you tried to do for mm-hmm. us because as we all know, he was only mildly successful for a short period of time with this stuff. Not to his fault in any way, shape, or form. Just for what comes after. Um, so in 1872, Douglas becomes the first black American to be nominated for vice president. Uh, he crazy. Was big, I know, Absolutely well, crazy at that time. You know what's crazy about it is he didn't even know about it. Huh? They just put him on the ballot. He didn't even know. Because, <laughs> like, at the time, was it still a thing? Wait. Who, where, like, your president chooses your vice president? No. It was just, uh, how did it work? It was like it is, it's like it is now. Like, you, oh. like, have two people on the ballot. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, yeah, he was on the ballot with Victoria Woodhull. As a lady. Who? The president? president. 
Yeah. Okay, there's no way that ever would have happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they were in the Equal Rights Party ticket. He had no idea that they even put oh him on it. Oh, God. Equal um, Rights Party. I love that. Yeah. Though. You should look up some names of political parties we've had in the past because some of them are really funny. Like the Know Nothing Party. <laughs> which were awful. They sucked. They were awful. They were like anti-immigrant dickheads. Um, <laughs> but it's a fun party name. Anyway. <laughs> Good branding, so, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was a presidential elector in New York in 1872. So he was the one who, you know, voted in the Electoral College, which is cool. Um, but however, that same year, his fucking house got burned down in New York City on purpose. Uh, and we actually Ooh. lost a ton of records from like his newspaper and stuff because they were all stored there. Um, and he moves to D.C. Um, in 1882, his wife dies and he marries Helen Pitts, a white suffragette and abolitionist from New York. She was 20 years younger than him. Uh, most people were not down with it. Her family and his included. What year? 1872? 1882. 82. So this is, I'm, I'm bouncing dates around because the Wikipedia article bounced dates around. But just imagine like 1872, the Civil War ended seven years ago and a black man marries a white woman, which mm-hmm. wasn't even legal for most places until like the 60s, right? Like a mm-hmm. hundred years later, almost. It's interesting because if you look at, so like right after the Civil War, right? During the Reconstruction period, it's really strange when you look at it because for that 10-ish years that it's going on, you if you were black in the south you were having more of a say in government than like most white people were because things most white were people like weren't unsettled. allowed to vote they weren't allowed to vote why they took it away it was like a punishment really yeah in the so south reconstruction, yeah reconstruction's so fucked up so basically wait black people could vote but white people couldn't in the south mm-hmm. after the civil war if you were if you were in like if you were a confederate yeah I didn't know that. That's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. So basically, okay, side, I'm (laughs) citing some history of the time period. Context. It's important. Okay. So post the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln dies, right? Yes. Like right away. (laughs) Correct. He had a plan. (laughs) He had a plan for how to bring the South back. And it was basically like, I just want them, like X number of them to take an oath saying they're loyal to the Union, and we can just go back to the way it was. Like, he just wanted to let it go Uh and not make a thing about it. Whereas some radical Republicans in Congress, remembering that Republicans back in the day were nothing fucking like Republicans today. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Um, They were basically like, no, we have to fucking punish the South. And so we go through all of these plans. Basically, Grant starts passing all these progressive things, right, to try and... address like the white supremacy going on and all these things um the military is occupying the south until they can like rewrite their state constitutions to fit these requirements and meet all of these requirements that have been set out for them Mm -hmm. um and until they do these specific people are not allowed to vote so for a time like all of the representatives pretty much coming out of the south are black so like all of these black men in congress and things like that And then in 1876, the presidential election is, like, super fucking shady. 
Um, <laughs> basically, they don't know who won. And instead of doing what they're fucking supposed to do, they just came to this agreement where they were like, we'll give the presidency to Hayes, who was the Republican, if you declare that Reconstruction is done and the military leaves the South. So that's what they did. And the military left the South and everything just swung back so hard. So that's where you get like black codes and Jim Crow laws starting to come out. So like things like Jim Crow laws, they do take some time to like really get set uh-huh. because they are kind of the reaction to all of this. What a confusing fucking time to be alive. I hate teaching it. Like we think now is like so weird and wild but like back then just to, mm-hmm. i don't know it would be hard to cope with it i think it's bizarre because we took as you often do like 15 steps forward yeah. and then like 13 back yeah mm-hmm. wow i'm learning so much today <laughs> so all that shit's going on <laughs> oh my god um, and so he marries this white chick and <laughs> back to where I, we were i like that people were like giving him shit about it and he literally said my first marriage was to somebody the color of my mother and my second it's to someone the color of my father oh my god he's like, so good he should have yeah. gone into politics for real i mean he kind of was as much i think as he wanted to be yeah um so in 1874 So this is prior to his wife dying, because I'm jumping time. Um, His bank and newspaper actually went under. uh, So he becomes a U.S. Marshal for D.C. Um, And something I thought was interesting is that his old owner, the Alds, um, was on his deathbed. And he actually went and visited him. And they, like, reconciled. Um, I guess his daughter had come to see Douglas speak previously and was, like, really supportive of him. Um, Which I guess they would be fucking related the alts were his, like, when he was in Baltimore. Yeah. So that was, like, the family that pretty much owned him That's really his whole nice. life. Um, a lot of people, I think, gave him shit about it. But I think Whatever. he, you know, he had to make decisions for himself. Yeah. Um, so through the, yater, yater? through the later years of his life, he published the final version of his autobiography, The Life and Times of Frederick Douglass. Um, and in 1881, he became the recorder of deeds for D.C. Um, he traveled a lot. He spoke a lot. Um, towards the end of his life, it seemed like that's majorly what he was doing, was, like, touring and talking. Um, he actually received a vote for president at the Republican National Convention in 1888. He's the first wow. black person to ever have a vote for president. Um, he got some shit for speaking out, I guess... I didn't read too much into this, so I don't know how much I should say about it. But I guess these all-black communities were forming in Kansas. Like, people were going out there and specifically forming mm-hmm. all-black communities out there. But he was, like, very against that. I think he saw it as, like, if we separate ourselves, they're never going to see us mm-hmm. as the same. I don't know. I think it really played into his feelings about segregation and, like, what it would lead to. Um, it seems like he had, like, kind of conflicting views Mm -hmm. on that like Mm -hmm. if you can send people to an island then why not yeah i don't know i'll have to read more about the island Mm -hmm. thing and get back to you about what the deal was (laughs) with that complicated Um, because i again i'd never heard of that i sent it to the other teacher i work with and i was like did you know this and she was like no (laughs) so anyway 
Um, he was the U.S. minister resident and consul for Haiti and some French word, whatever the French version of this is, for Santo Domingo in 1889, <laughs> but he resigned in 1891. I don't think he liked it very much. Um, and then he dies of a massive heart attack at 77 in 1895. Wow. And that is the intense, amazing, impressive, full life of Frederick Douglass. Can you, like, I feel like in the history of people, like, what, 1% of people ever, like, really have the audacity to live life to the fullest, and he's, like, one of them. I know, like... I mean, to come from, like they say in Ratatouille, to come from humble roots. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and he just, like, was so well thought out. Like, I was reading about his feelings about photography and how mm-hmm. he thought photography was really important. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he's, like, one of the most photographed figures of the time because he mm-hmm. would purposely, like, confront people with photography and, like, when, he wouldn't smile, all of that. When I would, like, the one year that I taught his book, like, I would show one of those pictures of him to, like, the class and be like – for you guys, this doesn't seem like anything like unusual, but like imagine yourself back at the time and you see this like black man wearing a suit and this is a mm-hmm. formal picture. Like this yeah. is propaganda and this is like sending a message. It's mm-hmm. like powerful. You know, it's one of the most interesting forms of propaganda at the time for abolitionists would be to put. So, you know, it was like, the situation at the time was like you have like one black ancestor you're black right mm-hmm. so you could look white and you could still be a slave yeah. um and so they would put basically white babies and black babies next to each other in pictures and be like look they're the same but they're yeah. in the same like it's it's interesting i just looked up the santa domingo thing <laughs> uh-huh. it's gonna bother me um so do you know what the Monroe Doctrine is? <laughs> I knew at one point. <laughs> Basically, it was this thing we put out there that we claimed, like, the Western Hemisphere is, like, the United States, basically, and told Europe to, like, stay the fuck out because um, <laughs> we'd had it. Um, and so he wanted to annex it because he was afraid a European power was going to take it, and then he would have to, like, follow up with the Monroe Doctrine, which we've never had to do before. Um, following up meaning like war yeah because that's basically what it says um and he privately said that he thought it could be a safety valve for african-americans who were suffering persecution in the united states but it was never in like the official messaging um and he also thought that getting santa domingo would help bring the end of slavery in cuba and elsewhere basically like spread it huh there's a wikipedia article about it you know, Frederick Douglass is he was very intelligent and like passionate. Mm-hmm. I also liked that he like changed his mind about things when he became more informed about them. Yeah. And I he get really mad like reading and learning. Mm-hmm. Don't you get irritated by people who just like refuse to change their mind? Yeah. Like I get mad when people are like, well, like, get mad at, like, presidents and stuff when they change their mind. I'm like, I hope they have the ability to fucking change their mind. Like, 
changing your mind when you learn is important (laughs) i think that's like key for anyone in any kind of leadership position is you need to be open to like new information you can't just go based off of what you've always thought yeah when did we sorry i'm looking at this article when did we control haiti i'm so confused also, we should totally do an episode about the Haitian Revolution because it's fucking amazing. <laughs> I mean, I would be down for episodes of you just explaining history to me. <laughs> yeah. It's like I fascinating. Do, <laughs> I do go on. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy it, though, because you tell it like a story, which is what I need in my history. I agree. But yeah, the Haitian Revolution is like a badass just like, yes, I love yeah. everything about it. Um, oh well, this is like a long episode. I talked a lot about Frederick Douglass. I mean, I think it's warranted though. Like he's fascinating. It's an important part of history. Everyone should look up his autobiography. It's a, like even nowadays, it's still a really good read. Like it's readable. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. There's a lot that happens in it. I have my kids read excerpts from it and it's always like, I have to have that conversation with them. Like, about the N-word before we read it, which is always an interesting conversation. When I like when I read it the first time and he talks about Baltimore and he mentions, like, a couple streets. I'm like, oh, I know those streets. It, like, Mm -hmm. makes it real. And I think I remember when he talked about being a kid and, like... there were like some white children that he would play with and so he would like try to get them to like teach him how to read and Mm -hmm. he kind of did a little bit but then the kids couldn't play with him anymore so he's just so smart and it's a really interesting life to read about yeah he it's interesting i mean it's it makes sense but how many like prominent black figures came out of maryland Mm -hmm. like pre-civil war which my second person also came out of Maryland. Is your person? Is it Carver? No. I don't think you would guess who this person is. Oh, it's going to bother me now, though. Did he serve in Congress? No. <laughs> we'll leave that as a little teaser. Let you ruminate on that a little bit. I saw a TikTok this week. It was talking about how... There's this girl, you probably follow her too, where she has like this really insane laugh and then she talks about like stuff from history. Uh, maybe I don't. She was talking about how she didn't know Harriet Tubman was disabled. And I was like, I feel like this, sh- like I thought everybody knew that. Disabled, wait, in what way? She had narcolepsy and epilepsy. Oh, I think I have heard that. Yeah. I was like, I thought that was common knowledge. That's why you it's know- part of why she's so cool. I don't think that is common knowledge, though. Hmm. Well, I she think, got hit in the head. <laughs> I think most people would just associate her. They associate Harry Tubman, Underground Railroad, and that's probably, like, the extent of it. And they don't even know, like, about her being, like, basically a general in the Civil War. Oh, my God. We should talk about her next week, too. She's so cool. So many cool people. Yeah. I like this. This was fun. I learned a lot. Excellent. I have to go cook now. I don't feel like it. (laughs) I actually went to the store today, though, so. You can do it. I'm going to read more about Haiti, and then I'm going to go cook. (laughs) All right. Should we do part two next week of more notable black Americans? Yeah, let's do it. We should do an episode of, like, prominent Native Americans, too. 
Yeah, let's do that maybe next month. I could go on and on about my main man, Tecumseh. Oh, he's so cool. You know what? Like, (laughs) this is so nerdy, but, like, sometimes history is, like, more interesting than fiction. (laughs) Because sometimes it's fucking insane. (laughs) Yeah. We can talk about Tecumseh and his brother, the prophet. The prophet. (laughs) All right. We'll do that. Month of March. We'll make it our own Indigenous People Month. Oh, man. I can't believe it's good. March. What the? I know. All right. All right. Oh, I like that. Indigenous People Month. We can do Native Americans. We can do, oh, we should do something about, like, the Aztecs. I'll give you another clue about my second person is he has connections to Inuit people. Oh, I definitely fucking don't know who it is. (laughs) (laughs) That was a, that was not the clue I was expecting. (laughs) I have no idea who it is then. Tune in next week well, ex- to find oh, out. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Follow us. Do all the things. Do all the Bye. things. Bye.